Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. Welcome to the show, folks. Um, I'm going to start today with an exciting announcement. Our show for next week, not this, but next, we will have back our guest, uh, Tyler Capobres from thegoodgun.com, and we'll discuss, uh, this time around, we will discuss the best gear to protect yourself uh, outside the home. So our first show, which proved to be a great success, we talked about... Um, the kind of gear, but also the kind of strategies and tactics that you may want to employ inside the home to uh, protect your uh, yourself and your family and your loved ones from those who may wish to harm you. And uh, next week we're going to talk about how to do the same thing, both in terms of the gear and the strategy and the tactics, how to protect yourself when you're outside the home. And um, this is highly topical. This will be the last um, Choose to be Free episode before the November 3rd election. And it will be highly topical because uh, I hope not, but I think that uh, there is a high chance that uh, in the aftermath of the election, there will uh, be some disturbances. And I think people should... um, uh, be prepared, and uh, I'm not. I'm not only talking about uh, self-defense, which is, a, a, of course, a critical aspect of it. But uh, to be honest with you, you know, um, those of us who live in suburbs, in in, in bigger cities, or around bigger cities, uh, I would treat uh, this November third election as I would treat uh, something like a, a hurricane, or a, you know, a weather event, maybe a. Uh, a big snowstorm or something like that. So you know, if I were you folks, I'd uh, I'd go out there and uh, just buy some extra foodstuffs. Um, you know, just something that maybe can tide you over, so you don't have to leave your home for a couple of days. That kind of uh, that kind of stuff. Because remember, uh, you know, anybody who's been to the military knows that it's always uh, much easier to defend. A fixed point such as your home, a place that you're highly familiar with, uh, as opposed to uh, defending yourself outside the home. And uh, when you're talking about a a civilian scenario as opposed to a military one, uh, there is also the aspect of the law, which, uh, you know, favors you in terms of using self-defense when you're inside your home. So, you know, when you're out there, um, you don't have the same rights in terms of deploying, for example, firearms in self-defense as you have typically inside your home. And don't take my advice on it because I'm not a lawyer. So with all that disclaimer, but uh, check your local jurisdiction. But substantially, in most places, that's true. So I would just say, you know, uh, I, would, I would just, uh, without panicking and without fear, but just uh, be prepared, and uh, for the election, I would say, just have some stuff at home that would help you. Uh, if you don't already, just have some stuff at home that would help you maybe weather up to a week or a couple of weeks in which you will not have to leave 
the house to, to get things like groceries, basic medications, uh, batteries for your flashlights, uh, and even water. So that's what I would do. I, I, I live in the countryside now. My station is different. But if I were still living in a suburb or in a city, that's kind of how I would be thinking about uh, you know, preparing for this election day because far from being a celebration of democracy, uh, this election day is uh, going to be uh, potentially fraught with peril. And, uh, and that kind of brings me to uh, the topic of this show, which I think must be the upcoming election. So, um, as you know, I'm recording live to tape this show. It airs on the weekends and sometimes also during the week. But um, I record it typically in the middle of the week. And so today is Wednesday. And we were just, uh, New York Post uh, just came out with um, these emails and various uh uh, how shall we put it, highly unflattering images of Hunter Biden and, of course, his emails that prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that, uh, you know, his father, uh, Biden the eldest, um, Joe, who was uh, who is now supposedly at least running for president, uh, was highly complicit in Hunter's business dealings in the Ukraine. And I would say more than that. Hunter did not have business dealings in the Ukraine. Okay, Hunter is not a businessman. He's a drug addict, a sex addict, and so on. So he did not have, quote-unquote, business dealings. What he had, or what he was doing, was selling his father's influence when his father was the sitting, the serving vice president of the most powerful country on earth. Well, he was selling that influence. He was selling the favors that his father, Joe Biden, was in the position to deliver to the highest bidder. And uh, a lot of these high bidders were found in the Ukraine, not because of the Ukraine per se, but because the Ukraine, after its George, George Soros-inspired uh, color revolution, became a kind of wild west for influence peddling. You know, sometimes in the world there are these jurisdictions which are lawless, and not even sometimes. I mean, those jurisdictions always exist, and they serve a certain purpose, and they just move from one place to the other, and um, right now the Ukraine is one of those. Uh, and uh, if you want to buy anything that's <clears throat> illegal, illicit, uh, Ukraine is where you go to because the central government there is uh, corrupt to the bone and they're all uh, sold out for cash. Uh, so uh, whatever it is that you want, whether it's under uh, underage girls or guns or anything else, the Ukraine is where you go. And, um, and that's what's been happening. So uh, the New York Post uh, uh, got their hands on these emails. The FBI, of course, knew about them since the beginning of the year, since January or February. They did nothing with them, of course, and um, and now the New York Post got them supposedly from uh, Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon. Of course, uh, the mainstream media is not going to report it. Facebook already said that they're going to suppress it. 
uh, nothing is going to happen, um, and you know nobody's mind is going to be changed by this. Um, and I would say, you know, very simply, if you did not know at the, you know by this time, at this point of you know by this point in time, if you were not absolutely convinced that Joe Biden and his entire family are corrupt to the bone, then I think you may be beyond the reach of salvation at this point. So this is not something that, you know, anyone who's been paying the slightest attention should be, you know, surprised by. But uh, there, there have been a couple of minor key but somewhat surprising developments which I wouldn't mind, you know, sharing with you over this episode. And who knows, you know, things are developing so quickly that maybe... By the time this show airs, they will be obsolete. But, you know, what can I do? I can only uh, report what what I know and what my feelings are at a given point in time. Now, as you know, my friends, uh, if you've been following me on Twitter or on this show or the column that I publish um, uh, on, on uh, the platform AmericaOutloud.com, uh, you know that I've been uh, highly pessimistic, <clears throat> highly pessimistic about um, the outcome of this election uh, and about the future of America and the future of Western civilization as a whole. In fact, I doubt that there has been anyone more pessimistic than uh, than, than I am. Um, but uh, there have been a couple of slightly, I want to say, with all possible caution, uh, encouraging signs. And uh, surprisingly, uh, they're coming from uh, the propaganda arm of the American globalist communist uh, party called the Democratic Party. In other words, the mainstream media. Uh, And I'll tell you what I mean. So... Uh, there, there's been this uh, interview by CNN hack Wolf Blitzer, and he was interviewing the speaker, so-called, of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, right? And out of the blue, Mr. Blitzer, instead of doing his uh, job as a paid propagandist for Pelosi's Democratic Party, out of the blue, he decided to actually ask her a journalistic question uh, to the surprise of everyone, and not the least to her surprise. And he asked, uh, he asked her um, if she thought it was a good idea to hold the American people host, uh, hostage uh, to her uh, desire to uh, inflict political harm on President Trump. In other words, He was talking about the stimulus package and he said, well, listen, you know, uh, many in America are hurting because of this um, pandemic and more so because of, I'm paraphrasing now, of course, because of these uh, insane Democrat governor mandated lockdowns and American people, uh, small businesses and also just regular Americans need help. And he asked her why she was holding this uh, help up in order to gain the upper hand politically over President Trump. And of course, Pelosi you know, was taken by surprise that she was actually asked a real question. 
and instead of answering it, she has no answer. But uh, what she did, of course, is what the Democrats always do, and she started smearing uh, her um, interviewer, in this case, uh, Wolf Blitzer, and she asked him, rather laughing, uh, I mean, uh, rather amusingly, she asked him uh, why he was the spokesperson of the Republican Party or some such thing. Anyway, that's uh, kind of uh, a little bit of comedy. But my ears perked up because, not so, not so, not so much because of uh, Pelosi's uh, ridiculous response to the question, but uh, by the question even being asked. That's what kind of surprised me. So I kind of like, ah, oh, okay, well, you know, let's file that under, you know, unusual. <laughs> and then today... It came out that, well, we, we all know that there was supposed to be this, um, uh, the, the, the second debate was canceled and there was supposed to be this Biden town hall on, uh, I believe, ABC instead. So in other words, that was not surprising. The, 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 the mainstream media decided to give Biden unfettered uh, uh, outlet to, to the American public, to those who watch him. Uh, rather than have him debate Trump. But what we, um, what we found out today was that another branch of this uh, propaganda machine called the mainstream media, i.e. NBC, is going to have a Trump town hall at the same exact date and time as the ABC town hall. So I've and the, you know and hilarity ensued as it always does. Uh, various blue check mark uh, Democratic pundits uh, on Twitter began to co- began uh, calling NBC all kinds of names, and we'll see if it indeed happens or doesn't happen. Maybe they will yet renege on it, and I fully expect them to. Nevertheless, even by saying that you know by setting it up, in in other words. What happened here was NBC, by giving Trump a platform at the exact time that Biden had a platform, set up a kind of alternative debate, right? Because people can, you know, flip channels. They can go in real time. They can go, okay, well, here is ABC and Joe Biden is mumbling something, whatever. And he's being asked all these softball questions like they always do, and then go to NBC and see how they, uh, I imagine, the the interviewers or whoever manages or the MC for the town hall event is asking Trump ridiculously loaded questions and, um, you know, and and the audience has probably handpicked Trump haters, just like in the Biden case, the audience would be all handpicked Biden fanatics. Uh, And then people can make up their own minds, not only about the two candidates, but also about how they're being treated by these two mainstream media platforms, ABC and NBC. Uh, So that's, if it it indeed happens, it's kind of interesting, right? Well, that, that was kind of out of the blue. You know, how come that, how come this is happening, right? So, all of a sudden, 
I'm beginning to see some cracks in the mainstream media kind of uh, anti-Trump position, or at least in their, uh, how should I say, unshakable belief that Trump is going to lose. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, they want Trump to lose. You know, they hate Trump. That, that has not changed. But uh, they also have to keep making a dollar after Trump, uh, to their surprise, wins. If he wins, right? So in other words, if Trump wins, they cannot just hang it up. They still have to, you know, do whatever it is they do, they do right? And it's very difficult for them to do whatever they do if they get no access at all to the administration. So what I'm seeing in this, these small little signs is I'm seeing the mainstream media beginning to hedge their bets a little bit. In other words, all of a sudden they're saying, hey, you know, what if Trump does get re-elected, and what if the Democrats don't get to cheat enough to bring him down? What then? More of that on that in the next segment. What if a new treatment backed by 17,000 scientific articles was proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance? What would you pay for even the smallest dose of this treatment? Well, the good news is you don't have to pay anything because these are just some of the benefits of a full night of quality sleep. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Until now, most sleep aids haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's Healthy, C-E-L-L, dot com slash sleep. Welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, so where we left it was um, kind of my internal antennas, antennae uh, perking up just today in terms of um, seeing the MSM, the mainstream media, beginning to ever so slightly hedge their bets in terms of the a possibility of uh, Trump re-election. Now remember, uh, the full-on, the main narrative of the media is, the mainstream media I'm talking about, the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party. Well, they're, uh, they're, the, 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 the story that they're pushing out there is the inevitability of Trump's defeat. Now, of course, they did it in 2016. They were wrong. And so, you know, one would have thought that regardless of how much they believed their own polling and all of that, they would perhaps um, 
kind of be more cautious this time around and at least put some disclaimers out there saying, well, you know, anything can happen, whatever. But don't forget that, that they, don't, they don't play by these rules. In other words, um, you know, Americans, um, many of us, and this is totally understandable, often live not in the world that exists right now, but in the world that existed just a short while ago. And the reason I'm saying it's understandable is because the rate of change that America and the world, but we're focused on America right now, is experiencing is such that people simply don't have the tools to deal with it. I mean, people do not have the mental capacity to deal with this kind of rate of change, especially not in modern times, and especially not in a country as prosperous and as safe as America has been for the past, oh, close to a century. So when things begin to change as rapidly as they're changing now and not for the better, uh, people's uh, minds cannot keep abreast of it. And so people believe that they're living still in a certain reality that demonstrably does not exist anymore. But it's, it's, they just haven't caught up to it yet, right? It's hard. So there are many, many examples of that. But one of it is that Americans still believe that these mainstream media outlets like Fox, like ABC, CBS, NBC, and so on, that these are some sort of for-profit organizations, in other words, businesses, whose purpose is to generate revenue and uh, eventually convert that revenue into profits. Maybe that was true even a short while ago, but it's not true today. Today, these outlets um, are uh, propaganda arms of the globalist elites. So they don't care about revenues or profits or anything of that, of that nature. Believe me, they just don't care about it. Okay, uh, They don't care about it because they get paid to deliver <clears throat> their message. They get paid by the infinite supply of money or from the, the infinite supply of money that resides in the hands of people like Jeff Bezos and Jack Dorsey and Bill Gates and George Soros. In fact, money, in a, in a kind of a weird way, uh, became irrelevant to uh, these organizations. Uh, they will they will get it if they do what they're told, and if they stray from doing what they're told, they won't get it. And that's all. So they don't care what the people who watch them think, and they don't care how many people watch them. I mean, a great example of that, if you don't believe me, and I think one I did mention previously is the classic one, CNN. Well, CNN is a great example of it. Their ratings are in a toilet and have been for a long time. There's very few people, considering the size of the country, America, watch them. Their flagship shows uh, have a hard time, you know, 
scratching a million viewers from the bottom side of that number. But they don't care because they are paid to put out a certain amount of propaganda and that's all they do. It's kind of like, you know, in the Soviet Union, when you had an outlet like um, <clears throat> Pravda, you know, the newspaper, Pravda editors didn't care if anybody read their newspaper or they didn't read it. First of all, you know, uh, all kinds of, orga every organization, Soviet Union, every little shop, you know, whatever, factory, had to buy Pravda, right? So was, so that's what Pravda sold because people had to buy it. But also uh, the paychecks of those uh, people who worked uh, for Pravda were signed substantially by the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. And it was indeed much more honest than CNN because if you looked at Pravda, it said right on top that it was an organ, literally, using the same word in Russia, in Russian, it was an organ of the Communist Party of the USSR. Well, CNN is an organ of the Communist Party of the USA, otherwise known as the Democratic Party. <clears throat> and same goes for Fox and for the rest of them. They just don't put it on their header because <clears throat> they are hypocrites or because they've been told not to. But that nevertheless does not change their nature. So just like the people that work for Pravda, they write what, what they were told to write by the people who signed their paychecks. So the mainstream media in America uh, delivers what they're told to deliver. And uh, what they're told to deliver with, with respect to this election is this narrative of inevitability of Trump's loss. In other words, all the polls are showing that he will lose battleground polls, uh, general population polls, likely voter polls, uh, you know, polls taken among <clears throat> lizards and frogs and you name it. They're all showing that Trump is anywhere between eight and gazillion points behind Biden, right? Okay, well, that's the, that's the narrative, right? But all of a sudden, we're seeing some signals that run a little bit counter, a little bit afoul of that narrative. And whenever that happens, I kind of, ha you know, being a scientist, I like this question, why? And then so I, so I kind of ask myself, well, why? Why did Wolf Blitzer decide to ask Nancy Pelosi a real question? I mean, he may, he, he may have sold his soul to, to the devil, but I don't believe, you know, he sold his brains. So he knew what was going to, to, you know, what was going to come back at him. In other words, he knew that this old hag was going to yell at him, right? And he did it nonetheless, right? So NBC also, like NBC, when they set up Trump's town hall opposite ABC, sure, it's great for ratings, but as I mentioned before, they don't care about ratings. So... I have to, and they knew that by doing that, they would, you know, rake up uh, a lot of indignation among the people that they serve and also among the people that they self-validate with. So, you know, why are they doing it? 
it's 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 a little bit strange and maybe it's wishful thinking on my part and maybe i uh will will be proved to be wrong or to have been wrong but i feel that they're doing it because they themselves have doubts about the inevitability of trump's loss okay and with that doubt or with those doubts there comes a certain degree of fear i believe that these people are beginning to think and these are just maybe individual people you know like wolf blitzer or whoever at nbc must have been quite high up that decide to kind of take these steps that are, that are a little bit counter to the narrative that they're supposed to be pushing i feel that those steps are a little are little signals you know how people who have been kidnapped you know many people who are not pilots don't know this but it's not a secret you know airplanes have this device called the transponder and what it does is it, it, it's a it's an active radar it sends uh, a signal and that signal encodes the aircraft's altitude and also it can encode a certain code so if you fly under instruments it can be a code that defines you that identifies you uniquely to air traffic control um if you fly under visual rules it's just a generic code uh and there are also codes there is a code for emergency like save our so- save our souls sos and there is a code which i haven't flown for a while so i've forgotten it there is a code that you can put in there if you have been hijacked so in other words if somebody hijacks your little cessna as you're flying it uh you know you can't uh, the idea is that you can't talk to the tower and openly say hey you know hey um you know new york control i've been hijacked here flying over long island so the idea is that you can't say that because your hijacker i don't know will shoot you or something but assuming that your hijacker himself or herself is not a pilot you're fiddling all the time with the flight controls anyway to fly the airplane so you could put this code in the transponder and believe me if you ever did that <laughs> all the traffic control screens in like a thousand mile radius would lit would light up because i think that most traffic controllers uh, serve their entire careers without seeing one of those uh and you may you may actually get a couple of f16s on your tail in today's environment for sure if you ever did that uh but uh anyway so it seems to me that these people in in the media are sending little signals like that to whom to trump okay because they are worried that he may win he may yet win and be reelected and <laughs> i think he put the fear of god in him in his first uh first tenure uh or first term and they're really worried what he may do in the second term for two reasons one is how one is how ferociously he had been attacked during the first term 
I think Trump has a reputation in business of not exactly forgiving and forgetting. He's not, I think self-avowedly, I think he's written about it. He's not the forgive and forget kind of guy. He just isn't. I think he recommends, his recommendation for business people is not to forgive and forget, but to hold a grudge. And I believe everybody knows that he has plenty of grudges to hold for during, you know, from his first term, especially when it comes to the media, though by far not only when it comes to the media. Uh, And I think that there is a certain fear among uh, certain media types that if if he gets reelected, in spite of what they're told to uh, believe in, if he somehow manages to pull yet again what he pulled in 2016, his second term will be marked by revenge. In other words, that Trump will use the uh, the second term to avenge himself on those who have so unjustly and so cruelly attacked him during his first term and the media, in other words, the wolf blitzers of this world, will be right there at the very um, very beginning of the long queue of those that Trump would wish to avenge himself against. And so they may be sending him like little smoke signals. Hey, you know, I know that I've been a hack and I know that I've been horrible, but here, look at me. I actually managed to all of a sudden out of the blue, out of the blue, defy my masters and ask Pelosi a real question, making her look like the total degenerate idiot an evil woman that she is. And you know what? Remember that when the time comes. And the same thing with uh, NBC. Maybe they're saying, hey, you know, remember how we gave you a platform opposite Biden and allowed you to actually have a kind of a debate with him when nobody else would. And this may be effective for those people because Trump undoubtedly notices he notices. He is media savvy to say the least. In fact, there is nobody who is more media savvy than he is. And he understands what's going on. And those signals are not uh, so subtle as to fly under his radar. And they're not intended to. They're intended to fly over his radar. In other words, they're intended to show him little blips saying, hey, you know, we've been hijacked. <laughs> Don't take it out on us. Take it out on the other guy who told us what to do, right? So now, you know, amusing as it all is, the reason that I'm mentioning it is that if these people had truly believed in their own propaganda, in other words, if they had truly believed that Trump had zero chance of being re-elected. In other words, if they believed in those models that say that, you know, it's 98% uh, Biden to 2% Trump and so on, they would not take the actions that they have been taking because these actions are not free. 
these actions are fraught with peril uh, to the to those people like Blitzer and like NBC who are taking them right because the forces that are arraigned against Trump and against the American people in general are no less vindictive if not more than Trump himself those forces uh, do not play nice to say the least right they are bad bad evil people and these little signals are not flying under their radar either okay so if they keep their power in america then watch out and more on that in the next segment my fellow americans our mission here at americaoutloud.com is clear We're here to defend our founding values and principles at a moment when they are under unprecedented assault. And to cover the news objectively and offer intelligent commentary on the challenges we face as a nation. You can tune in and join our family of listeners 24-7 in this vital crusade. Our apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Find us on iHeartRadio or our world-class media player. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Welcome back to the show, folks. So as I was saying just uh, before our break, the forces that are arraigned against Trump and against the American people, those globalist, Bolsheviks, communist, Marxist, Nazi forces, they do not play nice. And that's an understatement. So when Blitzer asks Pelosi a real question, a question that makes her highly uncomfortable, and makes her lash out. Uh, And when the people watching it are the people who are watching CNN, who are supposed to be all in the tank for Biden and for the Democrats, well, let's just say that if Trump does not win re-election or if they manage to cheat enough or to just somehow get him out of the White House, this uh, this will be remembered. In other words, these uh, these forces will remember what Wolf Blitzer did, and, and they will um, take their revenge against him. 
And this is something that he knows well. So, you know, but these people, I'll tell you folks, when you're corrupt, right? When you're corrupt, like Wolf Blitzer is, when you work for a corrupt organization, when you sell your soul to the devil, the main price of selling your soul to the devil, the biggest price, price that you pay, you know, you get all the benefits. You get the <clears throat> seven-figure salaries. You get the town cars when you travel. You get uh, the house, the big house with the pool and all that kind of stuff. But you pay a price. And I'm not talking about the price you pay in the afterlife. I'm talking about a very heavy price that you pay in this life. And the price is that you are you, you, you doom yourself to a life of fear. Because you know that you have been corrupted. And you know that you're substantially serving the devil. You know that you betrayed every principle that you've ever uh, sworn to uphold. So, for example, if you are a, a wolf blitzer, you're supposed to uphold the principle of journalistic integrity. You're given this platform um, from which you're supposed to be impartial and you're supposed to impartially inform the American people about the news so that they, the American people, can make informed choices. Well, we all know that people like Wolf Blitzer or Jake Tapper and all of them, <coughs> they've, uh, if they ever did that, that was not in the past couple decades. So what they have been doing in the past couple decades was promulgating weaponized propaganda from American, uh, from American enemies, from the enemies of America. Okay, so they sold their, their soul to the devil. And it's a one-way transaction. Okay, there is no seller's remorse. There is no oopsies. There is no going back. Once you do that, you're done. And they are done. So now, when you, when you do that, you uh, commit yourself to a life of, <coughs> of fear because, uh, you know, the devil is not... <laughs> is not an easy master, right? And uh, you, you put yourself in this situation exactly like where Wolf Blitzer is finding himself in, where if his master loses in this upcoming election, he may find himself in quite a tricky situation as far as uh, what Trump may do to him as part of uh, the rest of mainstream media. And there is undoubtedly some plans that Trump has of what he would do to these people should he be re-elected and given another four years. On the other hand, if you are going to uh, do something that is not in line with what the devil told you to do uh, and Trump loses, well the consequences may be even much worse. So, the way I see it, it took a lot for, for Wolf Blitzer to ask that question. It took a lot for NBC to give Trump 
this platform opposite Biden at the same exact time and day. And I'm not, I, you know, I don't know what's happening there. I don't know if they do have some pangs of conscience belatedly or they're just looking out for their behinds or what, but it's making me a little bit more hopeful that maybe Trump will manage to hang in there. Because if these people, I mean, don't forget, folks, that these are the people that cook the polls in all these polls that we say, that say that, you know, Biden is ahead by however many gazillions of percentage points. They are cooked at uh, CNN. They're cooked at NBC. In other words, they have a certain strategy that is given to them they're directed to enforce or, or to implement rather a certain strategy of fake polling, right? Uh, that is designed to suppress, uh, you know, Trump's um, supporters and independents from going to the polls and stuff like that. So there's a certain strategy behind it. And these people know to some degree at least, what that strategy is based on and what's more importantly, how fallacious it is. In other words, how wrong those polls are. So what I'm getting at is that if the wolf blitzers of this world had as much certainty uh, in Trump's loss as their fake polling would suggest, they would never ever put themselves in a position of asking Pelosi a tough question or giving Trump uh, a platform from which to talk to the American people, especially to the kind of people that watch NBC. Okay, they just wouldn't do it because it would be too dangerous for them and because and, and there would be absolutely zero reason for them to do so. So... By, by them doing quite a strong signal that what they really believe is not in line with what they're told to say that they believe. And that gives me a glimmer of hope. And it gives me a glimmer of hope that uh, maybe uh, Trump will you know, pull this win off. And if he does, I do believe that uh, his second term will be quite different from the first. And uh, um, and this is something that we can discuss uh, hopefully after the election at more length. Hopefully with, with you know, with Trump uh, still in the White House and for the next four years. But in the minutes remaining in this show, I just want to say that in his first term, Trump's instinct, right or wrong, was to cut a deal. His first instinct, and he says so himself, his first instinct is always to cut a deal. So he knew very well who his enemies, and therefore the enemies of all of us and the enemies of America were. He had no, uh, you know, he had, he had no illusions about uh, them. 
and who they were. But he himself would be the first to say, and I think he said it in, in you know, in, in various different ways in his interviews and his uh, rallies. While he knew the identity of his enemies, he never knew to the degree to which they were committed to treason. They ne- he, ne- he underestimated their viciousness and the pure hatred they have towards America and the American people, the kind of American people that vote Trump, who are the real American people, really. I mean, honestly, if you vote for the Democrats right now, folks, I mean, you're not American because you simply do not believe in the founding principles of America. So regardless of what your passport says or where you were born, if you vote for the likes of Pelosi, Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, Maisie Hirono, the rest of these absolute degenerates who are now performing this weird inquisition ritual for Judge Amy Barrett, if you if you vote for these folks, uh, for these folks, there's no way you are American. You you simply are not, uh, and that's fine too. That's fine too. Uh, you know, I'm not American. Uh, many pe- most people in the world are not American, but America is, as 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 they themselves like to say, is a sort of an idea. I don't think it was born that way, but it kind of became that way. But the idea is uh, the idea of the, the the ideas that are enshrined in the American Constitution: individual liberty, limited government, so on. If you do not, if you vote Democrat, you clearly do not believe in those ideas, and therefore you do not believe in America, in the idea of America, and you're simply not American. So Trump, uh, self-avowedly, or self-admittedly, totally underestimated, and not a little bit, he underestimated by orders of magnitude the absolute viciousness of America's enemies and chief among them, the Democrats. And because he underestimated their commitment to the destruction of America, all he ever did was try to cut deals with them. That was for the first half of his term before the, you know, the Russia hoax and the impeachment and all that kicked into high gear. For the second half, he kind of uh, understood what was going on, but it was too late. Since when he came into office, he failed to reform the major American institutions like the Department of Justice, including the FBI and the CIA, he he had the political uh, capital. He had the political. He had the money in the bank, so to say, to make it happen, but only for the first year or year and a half of his presidency. By the time that time was up, he already spent all his political capital. He spent this money playing defense, and it was impossible for him to go on the offense. He couldn't turn it around and start, you know, and, and you know, you can see that in, 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 you know, the FBI is a good example. He had enough political clout to get rid of Comey, 
but he does not have enough political clout to get rid of Ray, who he himself appointed and who is as bad as Comey, possibly worse. So Trump allowed into his administration a bunch of enemies, and we, this is hardly an original thought by me, but he did so not because he did not know who these people were. I'm talking about the Tillersons and the Kellys and the, and the McMasters. and all. He knew exactly who they were. But he did not understand that far from being American patriots who may have had some misguided ideas, they were the outright enemies of America. In other words, they have already sold their soul to the devil. They have already committed treason before he hired them. This is something that he did not understand. And by the time he got to that understanding, it was too late. It's too late to reform. By the bar, Bill Barr is exactly the same thing. So, you know, Trump found himself a victim of his naivete, if you want to say that, even though who can blame him? It's so hard to believe that somebody who has worn the uniform of America for his entire life would prove to be a traitor, and, and yet that's what we have. Now, if Trump uh, gets a second term, I don't think uh, he will be harboring under any such illusions or mis uh, misconceptions as he had before. He had absorbed, you know, being the counterpuncher that he is, during his first term, he absorbed one hell of, he took one hell of a beating, a beating that found him, uh, you know, down on his butt for the count for quite a couple of times. Uh, and barely getting off before, you know, the number 10 was called, barely getting up before the number 10 was called. In the second term, when he replenishes, you know, God willing, the political capital that the president needs, I think he's going to deploy that political capital immediately and with a vengeance. In fact, I do not believe that he's going to wait until uh, the January 20th inauguration, okay? Uh, I think he's going to uh, be at it on November 4th. And that's what, uh, I believe that that's what the wolf blitzers of this world are beginning to glimpse. They're beginning to glimpse that if the propaganda that they are themselves feeding to the American people is wrong, and Trump gets uh, re-elected, come November 4th, he will make himself into a whirlwind. He will make himself into the destroyer of worlds as far as the progressives and the globalists are concerned. And he's going to clean out, and I'm talking about clean out, those institutions in America that have betrayed her so egregiously, the FBI, the Department of Justice at large, um, the CIA, all the other intelligence services, the military, the top brass of the military, and 
the mainstream media. And he's going to take uh, a torch to all of these places, substantially burn them to the ground and rebuild them from scratch, which is something that is an absolute prerequisite for America to regain its footing and to continue for the next quarter millennium from now on. And let's hope that that's what indeed happens. But there's only two possibilities. One is that Trump loses, you know, God forbid, and America goes down the drain, or that Trump wins and he makes America what it was supposed to be and takes her into the next quarter millennium, rebuilt and stronger than ever. Let's hope for that outcome. Vote Trump.